Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. All right, PCC, happy Valentine's Day. I'm Gary, lead pastor here, and want to give a special shout out to my six Valentines Anne, Hannah, Mary Courtney, Elizabeth, Isabella, Jojo. Love you guys. Thanks for loving me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, I pray today uh, as we look at this story of you calling someone to follow you, that we would identify and we would hear your voice today. Lord, that we would hear you say to us, come on, follow me. It is needed desperately. So bring it about, Jesus. Emerge from this story in the Gospels so that we could see you as you are and follow you where you're going. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was early in July, about four years ago, and I took a red eye to Manhattan for what was known as the Luis Palau Festival in Central Park. I was headed there to witness literally a once in a generation evangelist share the good news that there's a new start available through Jesus for anyone who wants it. And as good as that opportunity was, what I was really looking forward to was reconnecting with my oldest friend, Mark. See, Mark and I grew up in Novato, and we logged in hours of play dates and team sports, starting from when we were four years old when we first met. We literally went to 13 years of school together as classmates. Mark had been on my uh, blessed list for decades, about 30 years at this point, and we reconnected through Facebook when his son contracted a rare form of cancer. Mark had moved his family from San Diego to Manhattan to get his young son the best treatment available. And sensing the whisper of God, knowing I was going out there, I reached out to him and invited him and his family to this festival and to listen with me to Luis, hoping that he would understand and they would understand there is hope to be had in Jesus. So I'm on the all-night flight, and while I'm praying for Mark, I was a tad nervous. There was a lot riding on this. I actually thought, Luis, you better not blow it. But most of all, I was thankful because I was vividly recalling my high school experiences with Mark and with other friends. Sadly, they were filled, because I didn't know Christ, with destructive activity, duplicitous living, and deceitful behavior. Uh, But then, for whatever reason, my freshman year in college, because of God's great love, Jesus stepped into my life, and my whole trajectory changed at that point. And what my life had become as a Jesus follower had made no earthly sense to me that night on that flight or to my high school friends for years after coming to Christ. Friends, I was overwhelmed that God's grace and God's purpose had invaded my life. I was so thankful that following Jesus involved taking a red eye cross country to re-engage with my oldest friend in hopes that he too could meet Jesus. You know, our mission at PCC is to empower the generations to passionately follow Jesus, one person at a time. And the next two weeks, we want to do two things. We want to today define what passionately follow looks like. 
And then we want to reintroduce us all to the, what we call at PCC, the G4 pathway. We believe that pathway is the best enabler to enable all of us to follow Jesus passionately. Uh, the word follow is used 87 times in the Gospels. And in the original language, the word means to journey with or to assist a master. So when Jesus was calling people to follow him, he wasn't just talking to the good people about agreeing with his teaching or engaging in religious behavior. Actually, you look at the life of Jesus, he was inviting the broken, anyone, to come close, to be made new by him, to embrace his heart for all people, and to what we're going to learn about today, to bless people to the end that they're joining Jesus in restoring culture and creation. There's actually a passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, where Jesus asks a question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? <laughs> you can hear Jesus' frustration in this question. He just shoots straight. He says, how is it that the crowds are hanging on my every word as I teach? And then they leave and go back to life as normal. This is a question Jesus issues to every generation, and it needs to be addressed today. How is it that the church can call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he says? Jesus is saying in Luke 6, 46, if you identify as my follower, there should be a distinction in the way you live. There's a missiologist called Leslie Newbegin, and he said, we must live in the kingdom of God in such a way that provokes questions for which the gospel is the only answer. So how do we follow well and distinctively? At PCC, we believe that in prioritizing what we call the G4 lifestyle, we can follow most passionately. What is it you ask? I'm glad you did. Watch this. At PCC, we are all about empowering generations to passionately follow Jesus one person at a time. How do empowered generations passionately follow Jesus? By encouraging everyone to journey down what we call the G4 pathway. The G4 pathway is a picture of the life of someone at PCC who is engaged, invested in, and ultimately experiencing what it means to be empowered to passionately follow Jesus. The pathway starts with loving our neighbors well through the BLESS initiative, which is our guide for prayer, care, and shared habits that help us convey God's heart to those among us. With BLESS as a foundation, we journey along the transformational loop to the first G, gather. We gather to remember what God has done and to celebrate what God will do. Gathering is great, but because circles are better than rows, we journey to grow together in Christ-likeness in groups. Growth happens best in community, through our short-term growth groups and long-term life groups. The next step is to give. God spells love, G-I-V-E. And we are never more like Jesus than when we are giving of our abilities 
forces. But we can't stop there. Ultimately, we want to gather, grow, give, and then we want to go. We go into all the world, joining Jesus to the margins and engaging in his restoration plan for the world. So the transformational loop is infinite in its nature, meaning you bless, you gather, you grow, you give, you go again and again and again. At PCC, we believe that if we truly live into the G4 pathway, we will be transformed and healed as we experience the transformation and healing of others. All right, hear me clearly. What is needed most in PCCers is not religious adherence or mental resonance. Those don't equate to obedience in the kingdom of God. PCC Redwood City needs kingdom-focused, passionate Christ followers who are the hand, the heart, the voice of Jesus and show up in unexpected places, in unexpected ways where you all live Monday through Saturday, who break through cultural and spiritual barriers to be radiant reconcilers. How, what does that look like? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Open to Matthew 9. We'll pick it up in verse 9, this story. Here we go. You ready? Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Now, Matthew's name means gift of Jehovah. Matthew, though, wasn't a gift of Jehovah from his actions. Look what he's doing. He's sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, I got to give you some context. In Jewish eyes, Matthew was a traitor of the worst kind. Tax collectors were so bad that they had their own classification. They didn't even achieve sinner status, as we'll see later in this text. They had their own immoral status. And here's how it worked. Israel was an occupied country, occupied by Rome, who actually ruled the world as Jesus walked the earth. Rome would sell tax franchises to Jewish entrepreneurs who didn't mind lying, cheating, extorting, stealing, abusing people, their own people, taking Jewish money to get rich and then giving it to the Romans. To the religious Jewish culture, tax collectors were unforgivable. They were banned from the synagogue. They couldn't even show up. They were classified with unclean animals in the ceremonial laws of the day. They were a disgrace to Jewish life. This is Matthew. And every Jesus follower should be able to relate. Because we may not be that extreme, but every passionate follower never forgets what we've been forgiven from. So what does Jesus do next? Does he come to condemn him? No, look at this. This is scandalous. Look what it says. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up. Follow me? Amazing, right? In other words, in those two words, here's what Jesus is saying. Matthew, you are just the kind of guy I'm looking for to be one of my disciples. You qualify. You're actually the perfect fit. Jesus sought Matthew, and he gave him something that the religion of the day told him he could never qualify for. New starts, eternal life. Now, PCC, I have a question, and we're not going to break, but I do want you to ponder this. 
Do you think Jesus is still seeking out modern-day Matthews? People that feel they don't qualify to be loved by God? Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually heard that longing for a new start four years ago uh, and to be in a relationship with God four years ago and feeling disqualified four years ago in my conversation with Mark in Manhattan over dinner before the Luis Plow gathering. As we were having dinner, Mark and his family were there and Mark just boldly in front of his family shared his growing awareness of God's wooing him through his son's cancer battle through the all-night vigils in the hospital room. Literally, he said, quote, it's as if this cancer journey has been peppered with clues that God is aware, that God is here, that God sees me. Well, what did Matthew do? Look at verse 9. Matthew got up, Luke adds in his gospel account, he left everything and he followed him. Now, before we get to verse 10, there's a, a pause in the story between verse 9 and 10. And allow me, if you will, to read between the lines. Because the next part, verse 10, takes place in a whole different setting. I imagine Matthew is cleaning out his tax collector's office. And he's taking down the pictures and taking down his, uh, his other flowers, whatever else is in there, right? And he's looking at his pictures with his tax buddies. There's the picture of him at the bachelor party in Joppa, or the one of the golf tournament in Caesarea, or the fly fishing one in the Jordan. And I imagine Matthew looking at all these pictures, and he experiences a unique ache for the first time in his life. He couldn't believe that those things that once defined him, things he's now ashamed of after following Jesus and had been forgiven for, he couldn't believe he engaged in that kind of behavior. And he, maybe look at these pictures, had a longing for every one of his tax collector cronies and outcast buddies to experience the grace and forgiveness and new life that Jesus offers, much like he had. But Matthew stumped. He knew that these people weren't allowed in the synagogue like he wasn't. And then an idea pops in his mind. What if he throws a party in a neutral setting, like his house? And what if he invites his friends as well as Jesus and his disciples? So he scribbles down a guest list. Those, this is important, he loves most, who he wants the most to meet Jesus. His plan, he's going to leverage his, inf uh, his relational influence to connect his friends to Jesus and then let Jesus take it from there. Friends, Matthew's guest list is what we call a bless list. Bless is a 2021 guest list that PCC passionate Christ followers pray over, asking Jesus to bring life to our friends through us. Bless is an acronym. Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. I have been praying for people on a bless list for decades, including Mark. So let's jump into verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, see, tax collectors have their own classification, came and ate with him and his disciples. 
And you know this, the dinner table was one of Jesus' favorite settings for ministry. It's why one of our priorities we're going to hear about this winter is family table. Can you imagine, though, the conversation in that house that night amongst the guests? Can you imagine them talking, these tax collectors and sinners, who they had beaten up, who they had extorted, how the prostitution business was going? I can imagine Matthew sitting back, scanning the room, looking at Jesus' disciples and Jesus intentionally interacting with truth and grace with all of Matthew's friends. Everything's going great, Matthew thinks. Uh, But then the religious people show up, and everything's about seemingly to get ruined. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now look, they're not seeking an answer here. They're venting their outrage. That's what religious people do. They often mistake uh, acceptance with endorsement. And the two aren't synonymous. Our passionate following of Jesus, if we're going to follow Jesus into the mess, it's going to raise the eyes of religious people. Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus answers in three parts. Here we go, verse 12. The first part is an analogy. Look what he says. Oh, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, even the Pharisees couldn't argue with this one. By their own admission, the crowd was the sickest of the sick. What do we do with sick people? We get them to a doctor, right? It's actually what I witnessed four years ago with my friend Mark. He actually moved his family cross country because his son was so sick. The second part that Jesus answers is a riddle. Verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and learn was Jesus' way of saying, here's a thought for you. What's the answer to Jesus' riddle? This is really important, PCC. Religious devotion, void of character transformation, is useless to God, and it's harmful to the world. Think of the harm that's been done in this country, in our history, over that religious devotion without character transformation. Think of the civil rights movement and our history and the abuse that's been done with the transatlantic slave trade because of that. Think of the religious devotion that was part of the storming of the Capitol. I was horrified to see a picture of the people that stormed the Capitol praying before they did. Religious devotion void of the character of Jesus is harmful. Then the third part of what he says, he gives a purpose. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Man, this is one of the most clarifying, defining statements Jesus ever made. In fact, to understand this statement is to grasp what it means to passionately follow. You will never experience salvation or eternal life. You will never be forgiven by Christ if you believe that in any way you deserved it. We don't deserve it. So I can imagine after the party's over and the crowd's dispersed and Jesus and Matthew are sitting on the front porch and they're looking over the silhouetted Galilean hills. They're reliving the highlights of the party and the people that had turned from their sins to Jesus. 
Maybe at some point Matthew ducks his head down and lifts it up and says to Jesus, I'm so sorry for getting you in trouble with the religious leaders. And just maybe, just maybe Jesus looks at Matthew and says something like this. Matthew, don't you ever apologize for betting your reputation on me. I'm going to tell you something, Matthew. You've got heart. You saw what I did in your heart, and you embraced my heart for people who would never set foot in a temple or a synagogue. So you took the initiative, and you created space for them. You went to them when the religious people never would. But not only do you have heart, Matthew, you've got guts. You took a risk. You displayed amazing courage, unconventionally creating common ground for your friends and me to connect. Most people wouldn't have walked into this kind of mess. But Matthew, I'm going to tell you something. I side with the people who walk with me into messes. Heart and guts, Matthew. Never apologize to me for having heart and having guts. What does this have to do with passionate following? we got to wrap this up and land the plane. As my conversation continued with Mark, we faintly heard Latino inflections in the background. Luis Palau was finally speaking. This was the moment that I'd come to Manhattan for. So I said to Mark and his whole family, come on, let's go. And so they joined me right in front of the stage. And we sat there listening, reveling in just how good the good news is. And reveling in the understanding that, uh, that there is new life and hope available to everybody. And so there we were, listening to that, and I was thinking, man, 46 years of relationship comes to this moment. And then Luis opens it up and gives an invitation, and people are responding to Jesus, asking him for new life. And I hear a voice next to me calling out audibly. It sounded like my oldest friend, Mark, and it was. He was asking Jesus for forgiveness and inviting him in to have a new start. We ended our time and I got Mark a book that Luis Palau produced called uh, Fresh Start. And Mark and his wife, as we walked out of Central Park that night, thanked me for dinner, thanked me for the experience. I thanked them, it was so good to catch up. They vowed to connect with a great church community. And then we walked our separate ways. And a 30 year prayer was answered. I was so glad that BLESS enabled me to pray and then to join Jesus and let him do the heavy lifting in my relationship with Mark, to love him like Jesus would and let God take care of the rest. And what I want you to know today, and please hear me, you qualify to be a passionate follower of Jesus. Everybody qualifies. Passionate followers have heart. They actually have God's heart implanted in them for all people. Passionate followers have guts. They actually have the uh, faith of Jesus, the courage of Jesus pulsating through them to join Jesus and leverage their reputation with their neighbors, friends, family, coworkers, anyone breaking down barriers, taking the initiative to be reconcilers on a human level between themselves and people so that people can be reconciled to God. So can I invite you to do an audit today? Do you have heart? Do you have guts, spiritually speaking? 
And can I invite you to do some homework? I want you to download uh, and go to our website, download this tool right here. It's the start of passionate following. If you go to wearepcc.com forward slash bless, or you can just text the word bless to this number on the screen, you can download this tool literally electronically. You can enter names, your guest list, if you will, on the screen electronically, and you'll be emailed Bible verses to pray for and uh, encouragement to bless your neighbors. PCC, the need of the hour today is for passionate followers. <laughs> what other kind is there? Tepid following? No way. With all that God has done for us, let's give our all. It's, it's Valentine's Day. Probably the greatest passage in the scripture on love is John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave. Friends, if we love our city, we're going to give too. Give of our lives, breaking down barriers, give the gospel, put it all on the line, and let's see what God does. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. I pray today we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but doers. Doers. Lord, give us heart. Give us guts. We don't want to be those who call you Lord, Lord, and then don't do what you say. Lead on, Jesus. We want to follow. We pray it in your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC. PCC.